Hello, and welcome to the Conscious Hoofbeat podcast. This is a podcast that explores the interconnectedness of our health and the health of our horses through self-care, mindfulness, and personal development, along with a little equine wisdom and wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Pamela Maynard. I'm a published author and researcher, equine body worker, energy facilitator, and I am passionate about deepening our connection with horses. If you want a more meaningful relationship with your horse, it starts within yourself. So don't forget to go to ConsciousHoofBeat.com and sign up for our exclusive email list to get the Conscious Hoofbeat Monthly and start your journey today. Welcome listeners. Today I am doing the fourth episode in our Riding After 40 series. And today I am bringing in Susan Bloom, who is the founder of Connection and Synergy Equine Gestalt Coaching. Susan is a lifelong horsewoman. And after being a caregiver for her husband for five and a half years, a breast cancer survivor, and growing up the daughter of the only doctor in a small rural community, she's seen the good, the bad, and the ugly in healthcare. This, along with her equine gestalt coaching certification and education and communications, has left her with a passion to help doctors, patients, and caregivers form stronger connections. She feels that combining her love of horses and a desire to create authentic connections between doctors, patients, and caregivers will have benefits for all, giving the patients and caregivers the feeling of being heard and the doctors the feeling of helping their patients at a deeper level. Oh, welcome, Susan Bloom. I'm so excited to have you here today. Um, you know, my doctorate degree is in health services, so when I first read about you on your website, I was like, wow, this is really, really cool, progressive, and very much needed. So, um, I'm excited to talk to you today. Um, we're going to go through my question prompts for writing after 40, and, um, and then I'd love to hear about, more about your work. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. Um, so one of the things that I thought would be fun and different bringing Susan in today is, even though this series is about writing after 40, Susan hasn't technically rode in, what did you say, 20 years? About 20 years, yeah. But you still love horses and your life still revolves around them. It sure does. I love that. So um, can you uh, just give us a little bit of background about your life with horses? You know, I can't, can't remember a time when I didn't have horses in my life. Um, even though neither one of my parents were, were horse people. My, my grandfather always kept me with a horse. And when I was, I think about five, I started doing lead pony with my mother and I was hooked and, and you know, that was, that was it. The rest is history, right? <laughs> the rest is history. I grew up doing, <laughs> almost every event except cattle classes in um, 
or English classes at that point in 4-H and AQHA shows, which were the, the easiest shows to find around here. And some, there was, is also a Kansas Western Horsemen's Association. It's more of a Jim Connor type thing. Oh, I forgot to include that in your intro that you're in Kansas. That's so I mean, we need to mention that so people know where you're at. <laughs> yes, Western Kansas. Okay. Uh, it's very rural here. Um, my grandfather raised racehorses, some thoroughbreds, but mostly quarter horses. And, and that kind of fostered a love for those. He would take me with him to the breeding farms when I was younger and, and um, talk about his how he came about his breeding decisions with me. Um, so quarter horses kind of became my main interest. I showed, as a, a young amateur, showed hunter jumper quarter horses. Um, and then when grandpa died, I got some of his brood mares and, and tried to keep that legacy going for a while. Um, and as I had more children and things progressed, it got harder and harder and more expensive to do that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I just, it just, I temporarily quit. <laughs> it's been a long temporary <laughs> pause, but. Um, but just from showing and breeding and and doing all the hardcore stuff, you have never paused from horses. Like so, Susan. Just I got to give my listeners a little background. So Susan's another one of my victims of social media that I found a really cool blog post of hers and hunted her down. <laughs> Thank God for Facebook. You're not just so you know you're not the only one I've done that to. But when I see stuff that resonates with me, I'm like, oh, I gotta have her. On my podcast and I I loved that um that blog and I should have been a little more prepared but what was the title in it again I, I'm having a brain fart right now I always come back to the horses I think yes yes I loved that you always come back to them and that's that's a passion isn't it it is a passion can you can you describe that to our listeners well you know i I believe that every little girl has a love of horses. Some of us get to experience it firsthand and, you know, in life full blown, not mm -hmm. everyone gets to. And, and some of us are blessed to get to carry that into adulthood. Um, I've been blessed to be able to carry that into adulthood. I, I don't know how to describe the passion. It's just, it, they've always been a part of my life. I cannot imagine life without them. Yeah. Without someone to go out and talk to when I'm feeling down, without someone to talk to my heart, to balance my heart. Mm. Um, and it, it's been an interesting journey. Yeah, and, and it's not uncommon for us horse lovers to have other animals in our lives because we're usually just animal lovers in general. Like I'm also the crazy cat lady, and I know you have a dog. And 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 there's just, you know, we love them all, right? And I talk to my cats, and I love that they live in the house with me, and they sleep with me and, you know, help me from being lonely. But there's just something different about 
the horse, right? The thousand pound animal and they just connect in a whole different way. And it's really undescribable, right? It's an experience. There's, there's been some research that shows that, that they raise our vibrational um, energy mm -hmm. and consciously they do that. They help us do that. Um, because they want us to be where they are in mindfulness in in the moment in i i've heard it said that if a horse steps on your foot it wasn't done accidentally mm -hmm. they're trying to bring you back to where you are mm. yeah no coincidences right right um so when you think about about your relationship with your horses over the years, is there you know, anything particular that um, stands out to you? You know, when I was a teenager, whenever I had a problem with a boy, usually, mm -hmm. I would always go talk to my, my horse. At that point, it was my barrel racing horse, um, was my main horse that I had. Um, and it just always made me feel better. I could express myself. I could say things I couldn't say to anyone else. I knew he wouldn't tell anyone. Living in a small town, there's always that, right. <laughs> that, that gossip and everyone knows what everyone's doing. And, and being the only daughter of the only doctor in town, everyone knew me. Mm -hmm. um, so I did not you know, I didn't, I didn't want to tell just anyone. Sure. My troubles. Um, right now, I would say that I have more of a spiritual relationship with them. Mm -hmm. In that, you know, they're highly spiritual animals. And um, Melissa Pierce, who's the, the founder of the Equine Gestalt Coaching Method, says she has she says they have an essential gift of healing mm -hmm. and most of them choose to share that with with humans not all of them will because some of them have been so highly abused mm -hmm. that they just don't want to help humans they're shut down you know yeah they're shut down they shut down just like like we do so right now my focus is partnering with them in my equine gestalt coaching work. Um, yeah, totally different relationship from when we're kids, right? Right. And, well, and I learned, so I have one mare and I learned that she's, she's been my guardian. I didn't, you know, several years ago before I was in the equine gestalt coaching pro program, she would literally stand over the muck bucket while I was cleaning. Mm -hmm. And I'd push her away and push her away. And, and well, I learned that she was trying to work on me. <laughs> <laughs> she was, because or maybe she was trying to get me out of my head. I'm sure you know, 
mucking stalls you can mm -hmm. kind of get in your head and think about things and think through things or or maybe she was just there to support me with my thoughts and mm -hmm. and that was in the beginning of my husband's illness so she just was supporting yeah holding the space for you to yeah. be whatever you needed to be at that moment in time exactly it's beautiful beautiful awareness and that's the beauty of like now that we're over 40 and older we have the, our own personal growth and awarenesses so these relationships with these animals were now more open and capable of taking them to that deeper level mm -hmm. do you remember um first falling in love with horses like like a specific memory or just kind of you woke up and here i am <laughs> no i don't um I think I must have fallen fallen in love with him before I could remember. Mm. That's that's my only I, because I no I don't remember. Um, one of my very first memories was riding with my aunt on her horse at a college rodeo that she was competing in. Mm -hmm. It's one of the very first memories that I have. Um, I love it. Yeah. I, I find so many people just say, I always say it's, it's just innate. It's just part of me. Like I didn't choose them. They chose me, but I have just so many people are like, it's just in my DNA. I was born with it. Yeah. Yeah. Can you describe to our listeners what exactly horses mean to you? Well, right now, like I said, they're, they're more of my spiritual partners. Mm -hmm. and my partners in in healing myself and others through the equine gestalt that that i do um i'm right now i have a two-year-old granddaughter that i'm looking for a pony or a mini for mm -hmm. because she's gonna need she's gonna need that support and that love and she loves my horses the way it is um before she could before she could talk and really vocalize it we were out feeding one day and i said to her i asked her i said do i need to get a mikey sized horse and she very definitely nodded <laughs> <laughs> and how do her parents feel about this are they on board with her horse love at such a young age um i think they'll tolerate it <laughs> <laughs> I think mom will be fine with it. Dad will just kind of tolerate it. Yeah, that's what grandma's for, though, to make sure this yeah. little girl gets to grow up loving horses. That's beautiful. Well, and as much as anything, she's, she's, her parents' relationship is not great right now. Mm -hmm. and she's going to need something. Yeah, yeah. Another great uh -huh. awareness. She's lucky to have you for a grandma. Yeah. Well, we already talked about that you haven't rode in the last 20 years and you shared with me before since your last child was born, right? Because life changes when we have children. We know that. Yeah. And, and even in your, in your intro bio, like you, you've had a lot happen in the last 20 years of your life. Um, but what has that been like, you know, for you? to not ride is it has it made a difference in your relationship with your horses i 
you know, I, when I, when I stopped writing, part of the, the problem was I have, I had trouble with motivation to ride if I wasn't going to compete. Mm. Um, and I guess that's where breeding and racing, the horses kind of came in. Um, and then a few years ago when I lost my best, best mare, it, and that was shortly before my husband got sick. I mean, and I couldn't get my other mare that I really wanted to get bred, bred. Mm -hmm. And who is also the one who turned out to be my guardian. <laughs> she was like, I'm not a brood mare. I'm your horse and I'm here to help you. Um, and, you know, now as I'm, I'm looking for that, pony or mini for my granddaughter I'm also looking for a horse that I can ride with her oh beautiful so you have uh, that, that little bit of that motivation back but just in a different way yeah and and I I went to um the world championship quarter horse show with a friend last fall um my friend coach and mentor we used to show together uh and she she was well like i said my coach and my mentor and she's now in the select amateur division and she asked me if i'd like to go to the show with her and i said you know i'd love to let me see if i can get it worked out mm -hmm. and i was able to and she won the select amateur jumpers oh wow and i said to her even before that i said <laughs> as I went down to help her, see if she needed anything. She had two horses and three classes that day. And to see if she needed anything. And I, as I was walking down there, I thought, I don't want to leave here ever. Mm. Um, so I told her before, before she left, I said, so look for a horse for me to ride. I said, I, I want something that I can maybe show. And she said, are you sure you're ready? And I said, yes, I am. <laughs> so as I'm, awesome. I'm looking for that horse for, for Mikey as well as me, I want to start, I'd like to start showing again too. It's time, right? We have, we have yeah. all the seasons in our lives and you've been through a couple different seasons and now you're entering this new season and it's time to ride again. Yes, it which, is. Which is going to um, kind of be weird for my next question, I guess. But like, this question stems from, you know, my own experiences in that I've had people, you know, criticize me for my, my life with horses because my life revolves around them. And, like, the whole thought of not having them in my life is just downright devastating. And, you know, all of us horse lovers, it's like, I want to ride till I die type of attitude, right? So mm -hmm. uh, what does the thought of not having horses in your life feel like? It will never happen. Mm. Um, well, unless my children put me in a home and I can't. <laughs> <laughs> but you're going to have to be forced into that situation right <laughs> I am I am um, and a part of my overall vision kind of aside from the equine gestalt coaching is to to get quarter horse racehorses off of the track when they're done racing mm -hmm. um, 
and give them a career in coaching if they're sound enough, retrain mm. them so they might be able to go back into the show ring in a different, you know, in a different, at a different level, or at least for trail riding or something like that. But too many of them don't get those opportunities. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, we hear about a lot of programs for off the track thoroughbreds, right? But yeah. I don't, I don't know of any for off the track quarter horses. I think there are some, I have a lot of connections at AQHA. Um, mm. And I've, I've asked about that. I think there are some, but yeah, it's hard. We often, the quarter horse industry is often below the thoroughbred industry and the thoroughbred industry gets more publicity for their things that they do, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I know you mentioned that your, your husband has passed away. So, um, you don't have a partner right now in your life that supports your passion for horses, do you? Um, no, I don't. <laughs> but what, what, when you were married, did, was your husband supportive? You know, that's really, it's interesting because we met through horses. Oh, okay. Uh, however, later it became a source of tension in our oh. marriage. I mean, we were married for 32 years. I always thought it was ironic that we met through those horse through horses and he encouraged me to buy some of grandpa's broodmares mm -hmm. and then they caused a lot of tension in our relationship even though he did love to go with me when I had a horse running on the track mm -hmm. um, but and and this this week's blog post actually is kind of about this um I discovered kind of late in our marriage that his one of his ways of showing that he loved me was to tolerate what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. he, he did not know how to be supportive the way I wanted him to, but, it, but he tolerated it. He, he would make it so that I could go, mm -hmm. so that I could go to horse shows, so that I could go to conventions, so that I could go to the training for the equine gestalt coaching program um and after he died i had at least three people tell me that he had told him how proud he was of me mm. so even though you might not feel like your partner is supportive they might be doing the best they can sure sure well, at least he never like said, you know, get rid of the horses or you can't have them. Or... He might have said get rid of them a time or two. <laughs> <laughs> but, he, but he knew you weren't going to, right? <laughs> but he didn't push it and force me to. Um, and, you know, honestly, I, when I was 18, I had no intention of staying here. Um, I went to school for two years and came back and fell in love with him and knew when I fell in love with him and got married and married him that I was going to be here. And I think had I followed one of the other career paths that I had chosen mm -hmm. that um, I probably wouldn't have had horses in my life. Or at the very least, I might have had one horse that was at a boarding facility. Mm -hmm. You know, I certainly wouldn't have been on a farm where I could could have them yeah you would have been a weekend rider yeah yeah which is a totally 
totally different experience from having them in your own backyard and caring for them for yourselves. And yeah. Um, so my next, next question is what have you learned about yourself from having horses in your life all these years? Well, you know, there are so many lessons horses have to teach us when, especially when we grow up, um, taking care of them, we learn a sense of responsibility. Mm -hmm. Um, you learn about confidence when, when you ride, um, if you don't do things confidently, they're not going to do them and someone might get hurt. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I ended up in an ER, um, well, more than once, but, <laughs> and, and they were both because of lack of confidence. Mm, good you know, awareness. I, I uh, told my horse it needed to do something. And well, it was the first one was my barrel horse and I overcorrected him and he flipped me off and stepped on me. Not purposely. Right. Right. <laughs> and he tried not to step on me. Um, the other time, and that was when I was a youth. And then when I was an amateur, you know, we all get as, as my, as Tina would say, you know, you've, you told the horse you didn't want to go over that jump with your body. So he stopped. Mm. And I did that and ended up face first in a jump. Yeah. Cause he was listening to you. He was listening to me. Yeah. Um, she said it improved my riding for quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, that, it, it usually, usually isn't our fault, is it? <laughs> no, it's not. And, and you definitely learn, a, get a sense of resilience. And, um, you know, they say you get bucked off, you get back on, right? Right. Well, if you, if you physically can get back on. If you well, want. yeah, exactly. Uh, which is the, when the horse threw me face fence or face first into the jump, I was going to get back on. Yeah. <laughs> I, reached, I reached up and I had gloves on. Oh, there's no blood. <laughs> <And> <laughs> they said, uh, no, you're not. Yeah. Um, I had a, I had a pretty bad accident in a warm up arena once where somebody just ran like head on into me and, and this poor horse was more probably traumatized from it than me, but I had a concussion, but I just got up. I don't even remember the my trainer I was working for at the time said I was going after the girl and was going to beat her up for knocking me off. And I have no recollection of it, but I got back on and ended up showing that horse. He was, who was so traumatized and I never did go to the doctor, but I know I had a concussion because I was like sick all night. And, um, but that's just what we do. We get back on nothing's broken, no blood. You just, that's what we do. I don't well, know. I don't know if I could do it now, Dave. If I, if I, I, I don't either. Sad. I had bit through my lips. So they had to stitch that on both sides. You were like, I'm going to ride anyway. And I was, I was going to get back on him. No, you're not. You're not. And by the, by the time I got home, cause it was a week long show. And by the time I got home, the whole side of my face was bruised. 
<laughs> You're like, just put a butterfly bandage on. I'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm sure we could go on and on about stories like that. So, you know, we talked about how you're going to get back into writing now again, and is it going to change for you? Are you going to be jumping still and doing barrel horses or are we going to tone it down a little bit? Um, well, I don't know. It's been, it's been really interesting that twice that I've been riding, um, and once was just in 2019, in the summer of 2019, I, and riding Western saddle and all of the riding that I had been doing in my um, adult life had been with a close contact jumping saddle, but riding these Western saddles that weren't mine. And I thought I am going to be so sore. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that was sore was my seat bones because I sat on the horse for hours. Right. Not my legs, you know, not those muscles in the legs that were, that, people talk about who don't ride and then ride for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just, I thought that was really interesting. Um, and I have to be honest with you. I, I started doing yoga and the last few months I've kind of quit and my body is telling me it's time to, to get back to that. Mm. Um, so that's something that I would, put back in if I was when I start writing definitely is that that yoga and um whatnot will I be jumping and barrel racing probably I also have an interest in dressage mm -hmm. um but they're still all very body oriented I mean you use your body a lot in those kind of things it's not like trail riding mm -hmm. or even riding a pleasure horse if you're going to be competitive right um, so, so will you will you be looking for when you're looking for this new horse are you going to be looking for something different in this horse than you would have 20 years ago um I definitely want something that's solidly trained. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't want a three-year-old off the track. I mean, I would take a, a three-year-old off the track or a four-year-old off the track, but I wouldn't be the first one to ride it. <laughs> like you, you would have 20 years ago. Like I would have 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, and I, I certainly wouldn't ever want something that didn't have, energy because that's just my I love that feeling of exhilaration when I ride mm, are you an adrenaline junkie Susan probably <laughs> I had um, several years ago we went with some friends to the NASCAR races in Kansas City uh -huh. I asked I asked them before so what's the draw Oh, it's the adrenaline. It's the adrenaline. And when the race started, yeah, I felt the adrenaline, but yeah. 400 laps of that, I was like, no, this is boring. <laughs> at, at least at the horse races, you get 10 times the start and the finish of the race. Right. The same amount of time. Yeah. Right. Right. So yeah, yeah probably, probably an adrenaline junkie in a, 
um, a mild way. <laughs> in in a over 40 kind of way, maybe. Yeah. And so, so you're look, you know, you, you're looking at writing again now and how have your goals changed, you know, compared to 20 years ago? You know, back in the day, I was like, oh, I want to, you know, go to all these shows and I want all these national championships. And now I'm like, I don't care if I show. I just want to have that connection with my horse. But I hear that you, the adrenaline junkie and you still want to show, right? But has the, has the show goals, goals changed a little bit? Um, well, yes. And it helps that AQHA now has a division for over 50-year-olds. Oh, Okay. That was nice of them. It was nice of them. You know, I can remember when they first came out and thinking, oh, it'll be so long before I get there. Yeah. <laughs> Time flies. It Time just, does fly. And it, it doesn't slow down as we get older. It goes faster and faster. And, and so, again, it's nice that they've introduced those levels where you can kind of move up as, as you want to. Um, and you don't have to compete against all of the, the kids who are just out of youth, mm -hmm. which was always, a, uh, you know, at the amateur level, that's, that's always been a kind of an issue. And especially as you get older. Yeah. Although I imagine there are a lot of, lot of people out there over 50 who are still, you know, very competitive. Mm -hmm. Although I, I know, I know what you mean because like, back when I was still training, we'd get customers that were just starting to ride, you know, in their forties and fifties. Cause what now their kids are grown. Now they have the time to do this, you know, something on their bucket list that they've always wanted to do. And, and so, yeah, it's not fair for them, these first time novice riders to be competing against yeah, these kids that are fresh out of their, their youth years. So yeah, that's great that they're doing that. I'd, I'd like to know if you can give me an example of a time in your life when some aspect of your everyday life was affected by your horses, you know, something like in family or personal relationships, work, business, you know, just like a specific experience that really comes to mind to you that really affected you. Um, there was a time when I wanted to train. Mm-hmm. When I first met my husband, I went and spent some time as a working student with a trainer, hunter jumper trainer. Mm -hmm. And what I learned there after talking to another trainer who trained for two women who were AQH all around amateurs um, several times. And he was at that barn because they had an indoor arena. And we went, his, his wife was a nurse, so she worked evenings. And he and the other guy who worked at the farm and I went out for dinner one night. And he said, you know, I spend six months out of every year on the road. And I thought, that's not how I want to raise children. Mm. Um. So I guess that's the point at which I kind of, I mean, I didn't quit writing, but 
it was always a, I don't want to be mommy's at the barn. Mm-hmm. Mommy's at the barn. Um, mommy's on the road, whatever, you know, whatever it was. So my goals shifted from being a professional horse trainer to being a, a mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the other side of that, I didn't encourage my boys to necessarily ride. If they showed an interest and wanted to, I was happy to take them. But it was my space. It was my time. It was my time to be without them. Right. Um, and a lot of time I was a, a stay-at-home mom or a work-at-home mom. Um, so I was the one there with them. And my time was to go out and be with the horses. It was their time to be with their dad. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's all about choices. You know, there are, there are trainers, like those kids are raised at horse shows and they either grow right. up be, being horse trainers or they grow up hating horses. And, you know, it's just, it is what it is. You know, there's some people that, that have to travel for work, you know, and the kids never get to see their their dad or their mom. So at least if they take them with them on the road, they get to see them. Um, it's just a choice, right? It was a choice you made. And I'm curious, do you have any regrets about that or anything else around your passion for horses? Uh, not about that. Um, you know, it just a few months ago, and this isn't a regret, obviously, it occurred to me as I didn't want to get up out of bed one day that I probably would have been clinically depressed without my horses <laughs> mm. because they give me a reason. I have to get up and take care of them because they're not boarded somewhere because I'm the one who's responsible for them. Um, makes it hard if I need to go away because I have to find someone to, to take care of them. This, this fall, two of the women that I've had feed them have had COVID. Mm. and you know I had contacted one of them she said you know I'm just getting over it I just can't sure yeah I said yeah I I agree um and I would say you know no I don't have any regrets but the only if I did it would be that well I'll fix dinner after I go feed the horses <laughs> You know, the, the kids may may have felt like they were second. Um, yeah, you know, people don't understand, you know, like the horses can't feed themselves. Like, they got to eat, even if it's Christmas. <laughs> and, and I think because, again, because um, their dad was a farmer rancher, they understood that. Yeah, yeah. But, it's That's a whole different lifestyle. I grew up on a farm, and so... When I went off and was working for Barnes, I always volunteered to feed on the holidays because I just grew up doing that. I, that's just the way it was. It didn't bother me to have to feed animals on the holidays because yeah. that was just a way of life for me. But for those who've never, never experienced that, I think they have challenges around it. Do you believe that 
you experience your life with horses in a different way from those that don't have horses, you know, like we were just talking about, like it's different, it's a different lifestyle. And you know, some, I, I've been criticized, like I said before, I've been criticized for my lifestyle with horses, but well, how, what's it been like for you? You know, and again, because I grew up in such a rural like ag area, mm -hmm. people understand a little bit. However, when I was in high school, um, no one really knew about high school rodeo here. Mm -hmm. And I was the one person who wanted to do it. So I was the high school rodeo team of the one. Um, and I always felt like, not that I didn't have other reasons that I was different from everyone else, but because I did so much with the horses, I was different. Mm. And that they thought that was strange. Whether they did or not, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was my view. You know, but when you, especially when you care for your own horses as a, as a child, um, you learn a lot of responsibility. I think you just learn about life, you know, like... Yeah. Um, I learned about life and death and the, the cycle and circle of life and well, it pre sure. prepares you for being an adult in the world. And, and when you ride a thousand or a 1200 pound prey animal, mm -hmm. you learn many aspects of getting along with others, compassion, you know, those, those things that that we all need. Um, maybe if more people understood that, we wouldn't be in the situation we are in the U.S. right now. <laughs> oh, I think you just hit the nail on the head, Miss Susan. <laughs> agreed, agreed, agreed. Yeah, lots, lots we can learn. I, you know, and and I even, and not just from the horses, but like. But a lot from the horses, but I, I remember there was a day I was out riding my old gelding and ponying my mare, and we came across this little baby porcupine. And he just, you know, the horses stopped and looked at him, and, and he kind of curled up in a little ball like they do. And when he realized we weren't going to hurt him, he got up, went on his merry way, you know, never saw him again. No big deal. And I just sat there and was in awe of this mutual respect that nature had you know for between these two species right the horses had this innate knowing that that animal was not gonna hurt them if they just paused right and gave him a moment to move on and then but then once in a while you find a porcupine that somebody shot you know out in the open field not harming anybody and it's like, I just, I'm like, why do we not learn from these animals what they can teach us about, about life? You know, that's a, that's a whole another topic in and of itself. And I love that you brought it up though. Um, so I think that's a good segue into, um, I want to know if there's anything else you want to share with us about your life experience with horses. And I feel like this is, where I want to know more about your equine gestalt coaching practice and how you came to that and how that's changed your life experience with horses. Well, I came to that because 
one of one of my um, possible career paths when I went to college at 18 was psychology, um, which I always found interesting. And when I first found the Touched by a Horse Equine Gestalt Coaching Program, mm-hmm. I I talked about it with my husband. And he said, there's no way, pardon my language, there's no way in hell we're going to spend any more money on those horses. <laughs> See, I don't look at it as spending it on the horses. It was spending money on you. <laughs> yep. And, and you're exactly right. Um, and that was before, before his illnesses. And I was working as the local tourism director. I actually applied for that job the first time he was being admitted into the hospital. Mm. Um, and I don't even know what was in my cover letter because I wrote it there in the hospital. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you, you, you were not in the present moment when you wrote that, were you? <laughs> um, well, maybe I was, but I was, yeah. And, um, I did that for almost three years and then they combined that job with the museum director's job. And at that point, we'd been driving, we'd, in three months, we'd driven to Houston three times. One of the times we drove to Kansas City and then right back to Houston. The other times we would go to Kansas City between those trips to Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, For doctor's appointments. Usually hospital stays. Hospital stays, okay. <laughs> yeah, um, and one of them was a two-week long hospital stay. Hmm. Um, and they, like I said, they were combining my job with another one. And I said, I have a full-time job taking care of him the way it is. I, I can't, I can't do it. I can't take on the responsibilities of another job. I'd already taken all of my vacation time, all of my sick time. I'd used a little over two weeks of sick time that some of my, um, coworkers had gifted me. Mm-hmm and still taking time off without pay. And I said, I just, I can't do it. I physically can't do it. And it was like a weight had been lifted from my shoulders, but I needed something to do. And that was when I started, my job ended at the end of 2015 and I started the equine gestalt coaching program in 2016. Um, and you know, one of those places where you asked about a supportive partner, Mike always made sure that I was able to go to my course. Um, and I managed to do that through hospital stays and surgeries and it was answers well and then through through being diagnosed with breast cancer um and in all honesty the equine gestalt coaching program put me in the best place i could have been mentally to be diagnosed with breast cancer and to be to lose when i lost my husband about five weeks after i graduated and um Again, the program just put me in the best place I could have been to have all that happen. Uh, 
talk about um, divine timing, divine connections, just it all lined up exactly the way it was supposed to. That's beautiful. And what I hear you saying is you really, you got as much out of that program for yourself as you, you put out to other people now, but you know the power in it and that's why you do what you do, right? That's for sure. Um, and you know, as, as you're going through the program, you work on yourself. And then I went to a retreat with that Melissa did last, last summer in 2019 and did a piece of work with a horse around a, a decision that I needed to make. And so what you do is you put something in the ring and you have one side be one side of the decision and the other side be the other side of the decision. Mm -hmm. And at one point I was working with Ruby and at one point I felt like Ruby was going to push me over to the side that obviously in my heart I knew was what I wanted to do. Mm. Um, she didn't ever nudge me, but I could feel her back there and it was like, she's going, just step over there, step over there. <laughs> <laughs> well, so for people who are listening that aren't as familiar with some of the equine assisted work, can you go into a little more detail, like what that, what that's really more about, you know, like, so, you know, I get what you're saying, but somebody listening might be like, what you're in the ring, what's going on here? So so the the gestalt is deep emotional experiential work mm -hmm. we allow we go into it with the knowing that everyone is whole we're not broken we're whole um but we all have traumas in our lives and the experiences help to complete your trauma and let you release it. Um, abusive relationships can, I, I mean, you can get through it, get it, finish it, complete it, and, and move on, move forward with your lives with these experiences. And the horses are there to support you, to help the coach. Um, The horses can tell if you're not speaking your truth. In other words, you asked me earlier, I don't think it was when you were recording, but how I'm always so fabulous. Yeah, I, asked, I said, hi, how are you today? And you're like, fabulous. And I was like, what's your secret? Please share. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so the horses might call me out on that on some days. Mm -hmm. they're they're more than happy to um be with me in my pain or be with me in my excitement as long as it's it's true and it's it's true to not just in my head but true to me and how i am right at that moment yeah and we all know that horses mirror our yeah. emotions right this is why i say it's so important for us 
course lovers to do our own inner work and learn how to show up for ourselves so that we can learn to show up for our horses. And when we learn to do that, we're showing up for our family, our coworkers, and we're just showing up for life in general. And I don't know what I want to say. It just a deeper, more present way. And that's when things align and things happen. And that's when you get to be fabulous, right? Yeah, well, and you know, you just hit the nail on the head when I say I want to, I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly in healthcare, and I want to help doctors do that, to show up for their families, to show up for their patients, and not burn out. Yeah, yeah, that's a very critical thing, especially now. Like I, th- I think now the work you're doing is more important than ever because this whole entire country is in a collective trauma on so many levels, not yeah. just because of the global pandemic and the, right. And so I just acknowledge you for what you are doing with the horses and allowing them to guide you and, and do what you are called to do to help others. And and these healthcare workers need this now more than ever. And this isn't over. Yeah. I know everybody was like, Oh, yay. 2020 is over. We survived. And I'm like, I don't think we're out yet. I feel a shit. I feel a shift. Things are changing, but we're not, we're not out yet. And we need the support, right? We need to have all these tools in our toolbox. So thank you for, for bringing the equine assault coaching to these healthcare workers and, and doing what you do. It's beautiful. Thank you. Ah, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful work. Thank you for sharing today. Um, is there anything else you want to add and maybe let people know how they can um, find out more about your equine gestalt coaching practice? Well, the best way to find out would be on my website, which is connectionandsynergy.com. Mm-hmm. Um, Are you on Facebook and social also, media? I am also on Facebook and Instagram, mm-hmm. um, mostly Facebook. And again, it's Connection and Synergy, mm-hmm. and it is A-N-D, Connection and Synergy. Okay. Um, if they wanted to call, the phone number is 913-390-3551. Awesome. I love that you put out the phone number. Some people still like to use the phone, the good old fashioned way of getting a hold of people, right? So any last words for our listeners before we sign off? I don't think so. I'm feeling, you know, I'm feeling just, very, very complete. This yeah. Beautiful, beautiful share, beautiful insight, beautiful wisdom. Thank you for shining your light in the world. Thank you for letting me share. You're welcome. You're very welcome. All right, listeners, thanks again for joining us. And until next time, enjoy your horse.